Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome to the basement and welcome home to Damar Hamlin. This is happening. The news is breaking as we go right now. Damar Hamlin has been discharged from the hospital. Bring up the information, my friends. This is reason to celebrate. This is reason to party. Jamie Nadler, the doctor, critical care physician and chief quality officer at Kaleida Health. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And the care team that led Damar Hamlin's recovery said, here comes the quote, we have completed a series of tests and evaluations and in consultation with the team physicians, we are confident that Damar can be safely discharged to continue his rehabilitation at home and with the Bills. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so today's, what day is today? Wednesday? Eight days after Damar Hamlin was revived on the field in Cincinnati. Actually, make it nine days, almost nine days. He is now going home. Incredible news. Couple of questions. On the way home from the hospital, is he allowed to stop at Bar Bill North? and get a, a 10 wings. Is he allowed to do that? Can he do that? Is he eating regular food yet? If not, that will come. Also, with the way that this guy is recovering, his physical and mental and emotional strength, is DeMar Hamlin gonna have 12 tackles against the Dolphins this weekend? What the hell's going on? This is incredible. <laughs> we went in 10 minutes from, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. What's gonna happen? Everybody pray, everybody hope to. He's at home. Home? We were worried this guy was gonna be in the hospital for weeks, months, who knows? It's great. Great, great news. Great news. Very uplifting news uh, as there's a massive football game in Western New York this weekend and really all over the country, which is why we're going to do what we do here. Very happy for the Hamlin family. We're going to talk quarterbacks today, guys. We're going to talk Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins. It's go time. This is why you lift all them weights. Also, we have to talk about the humor that's going on in the Cowboys game and the Cowboys coaching situation. And Jerry Jones, I, I have much more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than one wild card game. Do you, Jerry? Are, are, are you just lying through your teeth or do you think you're telling the truth and we'll come to find out? I'll tell you the truth about this. We got report cards on you knuckleheads. You guys sent us your predictions here at the basement. After week 13, you sent us the predictions. We put them in a wine bottle and you said, there's what's going to happen the rest of the season. Time to play the piper. Time to check them out. I'm going to walk over to my bar with you shortly. I'm going to pull them out of the bottle, and we're going to review. And many of you are going to be laughed at. <laughs> and a few of you are going to be patted on the back, but mostly the laughing at. Not like my predictions have been great, but I can predict this. We're about to start right now with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. I missed All right, it's a big, uh, it's a big, big, big weekend, guys. Huge weekend for everything we have here um, that we're going through in terms of these teams we've been tracking for five months, the NFC teams, the AFC teams, and ultimately it comes down to quarterback. You know what I love? I love that in just a few days, we're gonna get the next chapter, we're gonna get the end of the next chapter for Tom Brady. Here's how it breaks down. Monday night, the last game of Super Wild Card Weekend, as we're being forced to call it, encouraged to call it on NFL Network. Uh, Bucks versus Cowboys. What's going on with this game with Brady? There's so many ways to go. 
let's play all of the what ifs. Um, let's say that somehow, some way, the Cowboys beat the Buccaneers in Tampa and Brady is done for the season. Now, mind you, he just finished the first sub 500 career of his life, of his life. He's never had one in the pros. He never had one in college. People have gone and looked. He never had one in high school. When he's the starter, maybe he cameoed with Drew Henson in college or whatever, but when he's been the man to start the season and end it principally, they've never had a losing season. Well, they just did. The, the Bucks went eight and nine, and they're gonna be hosting a home playoff game. If they lose, they go one and done, and really he finishes an eight and 10 season with a loss to Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy at Al. Can Tom Brady walk away on that? It's just, you know, I just don't have it in me anymore, and I really need to dedicate um, my time to my family and my children, especially, and whatnot. Is, can he end on that? On that, I mean a very deflating, disappointing end to a very average season, the most average he's ever had as a team, and he loses at home to Dak Prescott, and then that's it. That's the walk-off. I don't think he can, and I think it really matters to Brady. I think it matters how it ends. I think he cares about that. I think he wants to, I think he grew up and played his whole career opposing Peyton and he watched Peyton walk off with the Super Bowl. And I think it's just killing him. I think he wants one more so badly. So much so that last year, when he did have a really cool ending, when he did have this beautiful football death at the hands of the Rams in his home field, the Rams were on to win the Super Bowl, Brady staged an amazing comeback that came up just short. It was a great walk off and he did walk off, but then he turned around and walked back. He couldn't, he couldn't stop. It's like, nope, not enough. I have to keep playing. And um, so the other thing is, what if they do win? What if they do win a lot? What if they do win by a lot, I mean. Like, let's say that Tampa Bay beats Dallas 31 to 10. Brady throws three touchdown passes. They just cruise. And they're just onto like a very supple NFC playoff field. I think the Niners are really good and then everybody else has a huge question mark. So I don't think it's outrageous, despite the fact that we've watched five months of average football from them, that Tampa could win a couple playoff games. What if he gets the NFC title game? Or what if just Brady shocks the world and the Bucks defense wakes up and their playmakers start doing crazy things and they get to the Super Bowl? I always am here for the historical perspective that will be looked back upon in this era in 10 years and really in 50 years about the Brady-Belichick marriage, divorce, and how they landed on their feet and where we're going. Right now, this, this chapter in, 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 in football with the Patriots, the Buccaneers, Brady and Belichick, there will be books written about it. And I don't mean novels. I mean, this will be in history books. This will be in contemporary history. When, when we grew up and we were learning about Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig or Roger Maris or Jesse Owens or any of these people from yesteryear, like my grandkids are going to be in U.S. history and whatever hologram tablet they're using to study and they're going to be like, back in 2020, Tom Brady left the Patriots and joined the Buccaneers. And then part of that is going to be what happens here. And afterwards, and they'll ask their teacher, so what happened with Brady and Belichick? Who was really the one in charge? Who was the one making all the magic? Was Belichick the greatest coach ever? Was Brady the greatest quarterback ever? Could it really be both? Is it that much of a coincidence they were on the same team? Those questions are being answered right now. Those history books are being written right now. If Brady does this, has a nice little run this year. If Brady comes back another year, Bucks, another team, whatever, 
does it again to the playoffs. Belichick again doesn't get to the playoff next year, like he has in two of the three years since Brady's been gone. Isn't that the weight kind of going over to the Brady side on the little scale with the blind justice? Isn't it like, wow, Brady really is the more special entity here? You know, I, I, I look back sometimes and you think, that 20-year that run that they had, 20-ish years, was it Brady really holding up the whole thing? Did Belichick just happen to land on the right time with this magical quarterback who can't be defeated and can't be injured and, except for one year? And just Did he just win the Powerball? He's a good coach and he's good with players and everything, but the greatest ever, or was it Brady? Or, you know, some people still try to volunteer, yeah, Brady's system quarterback, anybody could have done it. I think that's happening now. And the further we get away from the divorce and you start to see what happens to the two of them as they diverge, I think it's pretty cool that if a playoff win this weekend against the Cowboys and a playoff win next weekend against whoever could really start to be like, you know, when I was a young man and I was doing this show in my basement, we used to talk about Brady and Belichick and son, it was always Brady. He's the greatest. Or maybe not. Or maybe Belichick has another chapter to be written. But I always like looking at those. Could he retire? That'd be crazy. I think he can't retire after losing to the Cowboys at home. His appearances to him, his legacy, his competitiveness means too much. And if he goes on a run and he beats the Cowboys, not a good look for Belichick. I, I hate to say it. There's so many Belichick apologists and so many, how dare you? I, I don't come out that way. I think he had a really good quarterback for a really long time. and hasn't been that great since he left. And that quarterback's doing just fine. Let's get, though, to another quarterback. Let's get to what I hate. This one's personal for me, guys. I don't know how it happened, but it, last few years, I've become a, a Kirk Cousins cheerleader, apologist, fanboy, friend, whatever you want to say. I apologize for nothing. I just don't know how it happened. And what I hate is that the critics of Kirk Cousins, the doubters of Kirk Cousins, they may be right. <laughs> We're going to find out this weekend. If you think Kirk Cousins isn't all that, you may be right, my friend. And I know there's a lot of you out there. Let me tell you what I mean. I was talking this morning at Good Morning Football about, you know, what can Kirk Cousins prove with a win this weekend against the New York Giants? What can he say to his critics? And my answer was almost nothing because there's so many levels of doubts, jokes, memes, criticisms, what have you about Kirk Cousins. It's going to take so long and so much work to tear them down. Maybe all he can accomplish is getting rid of one. Because there's the big, Kirk Cousins will never win a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins will never get to a Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins can never win a title game. He can't win a... On and on and on and on and on and on. Those, those are for another day. Maybe another week. But it used to be the criticism of Kirk Cousins that was just internet fodder and radio call fodder was that, well, Kirk Cousins can't win in primetime. Can't win in Monday night. He can put up stats and he can win this anonymous Sunday game against whoever the Lions, but you put him in those bright lights, Kirk Cousins can't get it done. And that had its run. Now it's gotten so specific and so in the weeds that the Kirk Cousins criticism you see now everywhere is that Kirk Cousins can't win in the afternoon. Never mind 8 o'clock at night. Now the joke is, Kirk Cousins can't win at 4 o'clock. He can only win in the 1 p.m. games. In other words, 
you sit down on Sunday to watch six hours of football, and there's that big wave of 10 or 11 games at 1 o'clock. If he's in those games, he's great. But those four games that are at 4 o'clock on Fox and the late window, and it used to be Buck and Aikman, and he is screwed in those. And the reason it's coming up now is because guess what? This game, Vikings versus Giants in Minnesota, is in the late window. It's like a 4.30 kickoff. So everyone's saying, Giants are going to win. Everybody's in the Giants. This is your special. You're going to go into Minnesota and win. And me, as the white knight of apologists of Kirk Cousins, I'm like, how, how dare you? What do you mean? He doesn't, he, how bad could he be in the late window? That's a made-up thing. That's fake news. Guys, I did the research. I did the digging. I did the legwork. You want to hear what I found? I looked into Kirk Cousins' win-loss records in the late window. Again, not prime time. That meet between the two buns, the late afternoon game. Here we go. Bring it. Bring me up, uh, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Let's get a let's get a look of our guy in the purple helmet. All right, there he is, Kirk Cousins, while quarterback in the Minnesota Vikings in the late window games, has a record of five and nine. Five and nine. His average loss of those nine losses, his average is 15 points. That's just the average. There was also this year two massacres to the Cowboys and the Packers in the late window. Just destroyed. So that's not great. Remember, this is a 13-4 and four team. 5-9 and nine with the Vikings in his time there in the late window. Let's go to Washington. Different era, different organization, different head coaches, different Kirk Cousins. In the late window, as the starting quarterback for Washington. Two and nine. Two and nine! Five and nine with the Vikings. Two and nine with Washington. This doesn't look great. So you think it's going to end there, don't you? Oh no. Let's go to the Big Ten! Starting quarterback for the Michigan State Spartans. Yeah! Look at him there against the Badgers. Michigan State. These would be the 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoffs. Maybe he's playing the Golden Gophers. Maybe he's playing the Northwestern Wildcats, Buckeyes. Maybe he's facing off against Russell Wilson's Wisconsin Badgers. We don't know. We know this. In the late window kickoffs at Michigan State, this is when I twisted on you, right? Nope, three and six. Three and six. And you think that he was on some bad teams in Michigan State? How dare you? Kirk Cousins never lost to Michigan while he was there. He was in a quarterback room, as you know, that had Nick Foles and Brian Hoyer in it and Kirk Cousins. Those were good teams. They were three and six in the late window. That is a grand total in the late window at the college, early pro, and veteran pro level. 10 and 24. What am I going to do with that, Kirk? I'm supposed to defend you. That is not good. And you think it's over? It's not. We go to the high school level. Let's go. Kirk Cousins as a high schooler with his father. This is him at Holland Christian High. The Maroons. We don't have Kirk Cousins' record in the late window. I don't, I, I don't can't find, all, all games in high school are in the late window. They're Friday night lights. You maybe have to play a Saturday game. We tried to find it. I'm, I'm telling you, we tried to find it. We tried to find his late window in high school, in uh, Pop Warner. We tried to find if he plays a game of Madden around four o'clock in the afternoon. How does he fare in that? We couldn't. That is an awesome picture of Kirk Cousins though, who looks 
11 years old, <laughs> but he's already taller than his dad and he could huck that thing. So here's what I'm getting at. 10 and 24 in the late window. So all these people who say he needs to play at 1 p.m. to win, objectively, they're right. What am I supposed to say to that? What am I supposed to say to that is, I don't, I, I'm supposed to have a theory about maybe why he prefers to play at 1 p.m. And the only thing I can come up with is that Kirk Cousins, dad to the core, is just, you know, he's probably up early, up and at him, we're burning daylight, early bird gets the worm, that kind of guy who, you know, books the family vacation and the flight leaves at 4 a.m., so you gotta leave for the airport at 1 a.m. And maybe by 4.30 p.m., like, his battery's a little bit low, and since he had, was up having his first cup of Maxwell House at 5.30 in the morning, maybe his batteries are getting low and he's not playing his best football. But he better this weekend. Because if they go to 10 and 25 in a one and done home loss in the wild card round to like sort of an up and coming Giants team that's supposed to not be ready to win in the playoffs, if he loses to Daniel Jones in his playoff debut, hellfire. Hellfire will rain down on the Twin Cities and my wonderful Kirk Cousins, my buddy. But I'll tell you this. I'll end with this, and then we gotta go to what's hilarious. This could actually qualify for what's hilarious, but no. Kirk is relaxed. He is relaxed, he is comfortable, he is ready. How do I know? I got this picture this week. I got a, a text on my phone. Here's this picture. I'm kind of busy, I'm like, what is that? You see the little screen grab on your phone, you slide, you open. That's Kirk Cousins showing up for work this week. He's showing up with socks and monogrammed damn slippers. That's how he went to work for playoff week unapologetically comfortable. One of the things we talked about here, remember when Kirk was having that conversation about Land's End and L.L. Bean and he was getting in all his clothes and I love him for it? Apparently the folk at Land's End said, oh, we got you, baby. We'll send you some slippers and we're going to have those suckers monogrammed for you. They showed up, KC right on them. He wore them with socks. Of course, it's January, Minnesota, it's cold. Don't mock the man. I like this. I, I like him being himself. I like that he showed up. I don't know if that tile is in his home or the Vikings facility. I'm gonna guess his home, but it looks like he's got some kind of tapered athleisure sweatpants, some very cheap looking Russell Athletic athletic socks, which is perfectly on brand. And then the nice KC monogram slippers. Beautiful. I want him relaxed. I want him comfortable. Certainly because he's gonna have to wait all day on Sunday for that game. Not a 1 p.m. kickoff. Let's get it to 11 and 24, and we can just start to tear down some of those, some of those dreadful slights against Kirk Cousins. We'll go on to the divisional round. Until then, keep the slippers, keep listening to those slights, and go win a game for us. I hate that the people might be right, but I would submit this in response that he's ready to go. My guy's relaxed and ready. Let's get to what's hilarious. Beautiful slippers. Why am I already laughing about Tuesday morning when it's right now only Wednesday? I'll tell you why. Because six days from today, next Tuesday, just might be the take-pocalypse. It's, it, it's, we are all going to be guided up by talking head Sherpas to the top of Mount Take while it erupts with liquid hot magma of fire raining down. <laughs> why? Because the Monday night game, as I mentioned, is Bucks Cowboys. If the Cowboys lose on Tuesday morning, the take makers, and I'm not even talking about the, the me kind, I'm talking about 
the the ones who go nuclear, the provocateurs, they're coming off the top rope with two butcher knives in their hands and bottle rockets shooting out of their ears and a, a, a fire extinguisher out of their butt. They're, they're coming with a full circus of content and takes. Uh, if the Cowboys go one and done, all the takes about Dak, certainly Mike McCarthy, which I'll get to shortly, they're going to be astronomical. Like, that'll be pure Cirque du Soleil performance art on certain television programs and radio shows. You know the one I'm talking about. Or if the Cowboys win. If the Cowboys win, same deal. Because, A, they Cowboys, oh my God, they won a playoff game. That doesn't happen much. And then also Brady lost. And what's going on with Brady and Brady this and Brady that. But I think the core of it, where I'm going to concentrate, is the shot that I want. If the Cowboys lose, and I wish I could request this right now, I don't, I don't need to see Brady after the win. I've seen him a thousand times after playoff wins. I, we know what he's going to do. Yeah, good, good job. Stay healthy. See you soon. <laughs> and walk off. It'll be great. Respect it. And I don't want to see Dak. Dak is not very facially expressive. All that. I want to show Big Mike. I want to see Mike McCarthy, who has some of the gruffest, most cantankerous, angry body language when things aren't going well. When he's on the sideline with that big card of his and his hat and his headset. I want to see that walk off the field. If they lose. And if they win, God bless you, Mike McCarthy. If they lose, I want to see that. Because Jerry Jones said yesterday in one of his uh, 76 weekly radio hits that he does that... He will not be judging Mike McCarthy and his job status based on this wildcard game and that he has plenty of other things to go with when it comes to judging Mike McCarthy. Jerry, with all due respect, that is BS. You are lying either deliberately to the people or unknowingly to yourself. Because I'll tell you what, it would be one thing if Mike McCarthy went one and done again in the playoffs with your beautiful team that you've packed with talent and assets and all that. That's not good. You gotta, you gotta scrap a couple of playoff wins occasionally. However, if there was one thing, it was just him. There's this, this beautiful figure out there that has a history with you, that has an allure around him, that has a, a, a reputation of winning and offense and sizzle and show. And his name is Sean Payton and he's just sitting there. And I'll tell you what, if I am Sean Payton and I'm interested in the Cowboy job, and you better believe he is, the second that clock hits triple zeros and Mike McCarthy goes out there and he shakes hands with Todd Bowles and he walks off and he's all gruff and pissed off, I'm going to text the three most dangerous letters in the English language to Jerry Jones. S-U-P. So, no question mark, no emoji, no elaboration, just sup. Because Jerry will not be able to help himself. He'll text right back. What's up with you? Let's talk. I'm going to send the jet. That's the way this is going. Mike McCarthy has a hard enough job winning playoff games with the Cowboys who almost never win playoff games. The problem is, is that Jerry is sitting there with Mike McCarthy in the corner table at this nice restaurant and they're going, they're, you know, they're in a marriage together and it's going fine, whatever, it's all right. It's not the greatest ever, not terribly passionate, but productive, constructive, successful marriage. But that eye is wandering, and it always is. And of course, he looks up, and he does a double take. Whoa. Across the bar, sitting there with a, with a martini, 
is one of his exes that he has not seen in years, that he's kind of secretly been talking to, just checking in with every once in a while, and the ex is there, the ex is single, the ex looks great, and is sitting there with that drink and saying, come here, come here, come over here. And that ex is Sean Payton. And believe me, Jerry's going over. He's going over, and he's staying over, and he's gonna leave Mike McCarthy with the bill. I, I, I just, that's how I believe. I believe if they lose this weekend, the Cowboys, if the Cowboys lose to Tampa on Monday night, I think Sean Payton will be the head coach within a week. Maybe within a day. I think it'll be that quick. And listen, Mike McCarthy, good football man, strung together some great seasons, great regular seasons. He just has this stink on him, and maybe it's unfair. But um, he's not looked at as a guy who's like, we're going to get you over the hump. Because he has year after year after year after year of having really good quarterbacks and offense and going to the playoffs and losing. Now, what's funny is that Mike McCarthy has gotten to one Super Bowl and he won it. Sean Payton has gotten to one Super Bowl and he won it. And Sean's was longer ago than McCarthy's was. And yet there's just this, this magnetism about him where everyone has decided that he is the God's gift to coaching. I don't know if he is, but I would rather have him than Mike McCarthy. And I think that if the Cowboys lose, they will. Jerry will go over. He will sit down on the next bar stool, and that is all she wrote. So if the Cowboys lose, I want that shot of Mike McCarthy. And then I want the shot of Jerry Jones up in the booth, because if we're lucky, if they catch it right, he may be actually be seen by cameras looking at the sup text from Sean Payton. We might actually get to witness him get that text and reply to it, sending the jet, because he will. I can't wait for Tuesday morning. Oh my gosh. What are we getting to? What's hilarious? Oh, no, no. We're getting into something that is hilarious. We're getting into something called aged like fine wine. No graphic, no animation, just an explanation. Back in week 13, technically now this would be week 19, the wildcard round, we asked for your takes, kind of your predictions, your boldest thoughts on, all right, we're almost through the season. We got one quarter of it left. Here's what I think is going to happen. You tweeted them. You came strong with them. We wrote them down and we put them in a wine bottle to just sit there on the shelf in my bar over in another part of my basement. And I said, when the regular season's over, we're gonna crack them open and we're gonna laugh at them. I mean, we're going to judge them and see how you did with them. You know what we're gonna do right now? We're gonna go to Skycam. Let's go to Skycam because we're gonna take a walk. Skycam is right up here. Hello, here's what I'm gonna do right now. I'm gonna take you on a little walk. Now, normally I just take you and we go past the warrior and we go to all our guys here and there's Michael and there's Dominique and there's Kobe and there's Vince, but we're gonna go out of the studio right now for only the second time in show history. Cause we're gonna go over here to the bar. It's not that far, come with me. We tested it before the show. It'll all be technically sound and you can hear me fine. Now we're in the main living quarters. There's no children here cause they're still at school. And there's no wife here cause she's upstairs. But there is a bar here. And if you can see in the bar right down here, that's a little picture that is, I think, gin under a microscope. Somebody gave it to me, I thought it was cool. And right here is where you're gonna be under a microscope, my friends, because these are the actual takes and actual tweets that I wrote down in this beautiful bottle of wine that my wife and I drank the night before, and I took them down. And now we'll have a little bit of the uh, unmasking to see how you did. I'm gonna put you back up on the harness, and let's go to home base. And I'm gonna pull this cork out with my teeth like I'm a pirate, like that. And I'm gonna start pouring these out. And they're a little bit stubborn 
it's almost as if some of them don't want to come out, like they're hiding, like they're a little hermit crab going into its shell because they don't want to be red. But they're going to be red, you can believe me. So, week 13 takes from you, the people who follow Kyle Brandt's basement. I'm very excited. I've not seen these. I mean, I saw them in week 13, but I don't remember them. Here we go. Take number one out of the bottle. What do we have? It reads as such. Can we bring it up on the screen for the people? Here we go. Brody, whose, <laughs> whose handle is it's giant season. He predicts that at the end of the regular season, right now, the Cowboys will be leading the NFC East and the division will have the same back-to-back -back winner for the first time in almost 20 years. Bum, bum, bum. Brody, that is incorrect. The Eagles won the NFC East, but it's not a woefully incorrect prediction. The Eagles kind of struggled at the end. The Cowboys really struggled in the last week, and we do not have the same back-to-back -back winner. But the Cowboys are in, and your handle is it's Giants season. The Giants are in, Brody. Three teams from the NFC East got in. But that is definitely an 0 for 1 on a prediction. Let's see if we can do better or worse. Next one. Next tweet. What did we have? Oh my God. What do we have? Um, JSTAR2. <laughs> what is this? JSTAR2 says, Giants missed the playoffs. Signed, Giants fan. Why would you do that? I mean, I guess I know why you would do that. Remember, these were not beginning of the season and these were not two weeks ago. This was after week 13. They were bad. They struggled. They, remember, they kept falling on their face and went a long time without winning a game, and then they tied a game. So I can see why you might say that, but I'm thrilled to tell you, J-Star 2, the Giants made the playoffs. And if you ask some, not me, they got a really friendly little situation in the playoffs going to Minnesota to play the Vikings. So you may not, you're not only wrong, you might be way wrong. They may be in the divisional round. Next tweet. These are both kind of... Mild. Let's see if we can get cooked up. Lou Montagna. Like Joe Montagna? He says, oh, now, see, this is why you do this segment. He says, Jordan Love will be... <laughs> this is awesome. Lou, what are you talking about? All right. Jordan Love will be the leading passer for the last four weeks, cumulative of the season. Lou, are you saying he'll be the leading passer in the NFL for the last four weeks of the season? Or were you saying he was going to be the Packers' leading passer? I think you, you wrote out the word cumulative. I think you mean he's going to lead the NFL in passing for the, past, for the last four weeks. Lou, Jordan Love had as many passing yards as you did, and me, and everybody in here. But this is also more than just something to laugh at. It's interesting because... Listen, I don't know about leading the NFL in passing, but listen, there was tons of people who thought Jordan Love would be starting games for the Packers. Isn't that interesting? They were 4-8 and eight after 12 weeks, really 13 weeks. They're 4-8, and eight, and many people were saying, get him in there. Hey, might as well see what he's got. This season's over. We know what we're getting from Rodgers. We know we're paying him a ton of money. What's the harm in throwing the rookie in there? Now, you might say, maybe they should have thrown him in there because they didn't make the playoffs anyways. But they got really close. They were one touchdown drive away from the scrappy Lions from winning it. Lou, you could have just said Jordan Love will be starting for the Packers. But no. You said he's going to lead the league, cumulatively, for the last four weeks of the season. So more than Mahomes, more than Herbert, more than Allen. Jordan Love, just all over the place. 
to those same receivers and tight ends that Rodgers could get nothing going with. <laughs> he was going to just be blowing up Alan Lazard and Robert Tanyan and Randall Cobb. I like it, Lou. This is my favorite tweet of the segment so far. Let's go back to week 13 again. What is next? Next out of the bottle of La Crema Pinot Noir, Joe Nelson. He's got... Ah, uh, this one's kind of sad. Panthers will be a playoff team and will have no intention to take a quarterback in the first round. Joe, why did you think that after week 13? The Panthers were still awful then. That was right before they got the, the Darnold Assants and they made that little run where they won a few games and they beat the Lions. No, the Panthers are not a playoff team. The NFC South was a terrible, god-awful conference. I tried as hard as I could the last several months. Falcons, hell no. Uh, Saints, hell no. Panthers gave us a jolt, but then that was it. No intention of taking the quarterback. You think they would stick with Darnold still? They'll be sniffing around. Believe me, Joe Nelly. I like the other Panthers prediction. There's not many of those other than mine. I predicted they'd win the, be in the playoffs to start the season. We were both wrong, Joe Nelly. Next. These are fun. I love these. Joseph Curtis. All right, we finally got a Bills prediction. Bills will finish 11-6 after losing at New England tonight. That did not happen. To Miami. That did not happen. And at Cincinnati. The game was not finished. No home playoffs. Oh, man. No home playoff games. And big questions being asked of Sean McDermott after a Super Bowl or bust season ends with a whimper in the wild card round. <laughs> Joe, Joe, are you a Bills fan? I'm trying to see on your little emoji. I would probably think not. So uh, let's just go through it again. Because there's, there's a lot of predictions there. Bills will finish 11-6. and six. That is not correct. Bills 14-3, and three, right? No, 13-3 and because they only played 16 games. Uh, after losing at New England, they did not lose to New England. They did not lose to Miami the second time. And then, as I mentioned, the Cincinnati game, they were losing 7-3, but then the game stopped. No home playoff games is incorrect. They have one in a couple days. They have at least one. They most likely will have two. In fact, I think they definitely have two, don't they, if they win Miami? Um, no home playoff. And big questions being asked of Sean McDermott. <laughs> Joe made it sound like Sean McDermott was going to get fired or something after a Super Bowl or bust season ends with a whimper in the wild card. Now, listen, I guess that's in the realm of possibility if they lose to the Dolphins this weekend. And from what I hear, it's going to be Skyler at quarterback for Miami. I mean, they and no Mostert. I'll just put this out there now. That would be a, an unfathomable loss by the Bills to a team you know well that is heavily wounded. The defense is pretty good and they have weapons, but is anybody, can you guys, tell me what my, my staff, in a second, what is the spread in that game? I'm just going to guess, not knowing point spreads very well, the current spread on Bill's Dolphins, is it um, 10? I'm going to say, I'm going to guess, is it 10 and a half points? It might be more, but I don't think there's going to be end with a whimper in the wildcard round. Do we have more tweets? It's 13. All right, so I... I'm hearing from Miles in my ear that it's, that it's Bills minus 13 after the news of Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Minus 13. And that might move more. All right. How about Tyler? Tyler. I'm so excited to read this. Tyler says, Jags win the division. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pit the pit bull for Tyler. That was really good. Um, it's, it, again, this is not a prediction at the beginning of the season. But he made it at the three-quarter pole, and sure enough, the Jags came tearing down the stretch. That's an awesome prediction. What do you think about the Jags this weekend, Tyler? It's a really tricky game. 
at home against the Chargers. It's a, it's, it's, I think it's the toughest game of the weekend to pick, actually. They both are playing well. The Jags have more momentum. They're at home. Tempted to go with Jacksonville, but probably Chargers more talented. But when, are the, when aren't the Chargers more talented? Is that it? I could do this on my free time. I don't need to do this at work. I find this so interesting. Do we have more? Give me another tweet. Yep. The Mark of the Beast. <laughs> this is interesting. He says Russell Wilson will end his final press conference of the year by saying, Broncos country, let's ride. Is that happened? As in, he's, he's had his final press conference. I don't know if he did. Um, they, he actually played really well in his last regular season game, which was against the Chargers, right? Um, I don't know if he did. Has, has he still been doing that? Like, I'm kind of been off the Russell Wilson beat a little bit because the Broncos are so irrelevant. He did not, apparently. I'm hearing uh, variations of, we're going to turn this thing around, he said over and over. But he did not say, Broncos country, let's ride. When did he stop saying it? I remember he was getting crushed for saying it about a month into the season when they were so bad. Did he give it up mid-season? I, I honestly, I'll just, I'll, cards on the table, I've not been watching Russell Wilson's press conferences after the game because they're just irrelevant because they're not a relevant team. But he, I guess he didn't say it after the season. I'm kind of disappointed. All right, we have, uh, is that it? Oh, we have mine. Okay, mine. Damn, I'm looking at him right now. I don't remember. Damn, I hate the second one. All right, my predictions. <laughs> I didn't put them in the bottle. The staff tells me, I don't remember saying this. All right. I said Jets missed playoffs. That's good. They missed the playoffs. I think I also said the Giants missed the playoffs too, so that was wrong. This one kills me though. I predicted here for you, the people, I staked my reputation and that of the Ultimate Warrior, rest in peace. I said the Commanders will make the playoffs, and then I, I, I can't shut my big mouth. I had to keep going. And win a wild card game. Damn. Well, I mean, look, it's not the most embarrassing prediction ever. The Commanders were there. They were doing this Tyler, Taylor Heineke thing. And they crushed the Cowboys in, in Week 18. Crushed them. You know what crushed this prediction? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz and Ron Rivera. Just, you know, we're going to make a switch. Carson, save us. Carson just throws, uh, throws three interceptions. <laughs> Done. <laughs> it's out. Oh, man. They could have played anybody on that roster a quarterback, and they would have done better. Maybe even won the game. That would have been fun to get Commanders make playoffs, win wild card game. That was super super fun. I like the Jacksonville one. Um, I like the Russell Wilson one. I like all of them, even the boring ones. That was great, guys. Maybe we should do it again. <laughs> Maybe we should take this bottle, and I will read it um, in the uh, let's say the the Wednesday after the Super Bowl. And we will see what you say. That might be on tomorrow's show. In the meantime, we try to do it every show. The sensation known as Michael Flynn and the segment known as Brant Awareness. Flynn, did you make predictions? I don't remember. Did you have any? I didn't. I did not. You came to me right after that segment, and I was expecting to have to make one, but you actually didn't come to me to uh, make them. I remember you were very high on the commanders at that time, and you were going back and forth. You said Jets are going to make the playoffs. Actually, I think they're going to miss the playoffs, and you finally settled on miss, but you kept going back and forth. Well, I'm not going to make that same mistake twice. Right now, Michael Flynn, give me your Super Bowl matchup and your winner. Ooh, give me... Give me... Bills riding that momentum and finishing a great story over the Niners. Yeah, Bills Niners is a good pick. Uh, no. Certainly the Niners is. Um, 
Oh, Bills too. It's I had listen. My prediction at the beginning of the season was Bills over Packers, which is already half wrong. And like the Bills got so much work to do. You know, oh my God, this this, this say what you want about Skylar Thompson in Miami. It's just those that that C word Cincinnati and that KC word. They're just sitting there, and they're going to be such. T- I don't know which one's going to be harder. They're both going to be tough games. Um, but let's talk about the AFC playoffs elsewhere. What else we got in the headlines? Let's do it. There continue to be questions surrounding Lamar Jackson and the lack of clarity as to whether he'll be available Sunday against those Bengals. Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo both reporting that it's not looking good and that he faces an uphill battle to get on the field with that knee injury. You spoke Sunday about how you expected the spotlight to shine on Lamar, and it has, but the answers haven't been there. He wasn't spotted at practice today, and it doesn't seem like we're going to see him this week. Yeah, this is a huge bummer. Just on one level, I, I, I hate that Lamar's not playing this weekend. It's the NFL playoffs, and he's a superstar, and they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals with their superstar. And this is why you buy the number eight jersey if you're a kid. This is why you draft Lamar Jackson. You're supposed to be out there. And by supposed to, I mean just in the football sense, I'd like to have him out there. I wish Lamar Jackson would say something or tweet something or just speak up about anything because it's not his style. He, as is well-documented, doesn't have an agent, doesn't do a ton of media, and his Twitter timeline is just more playful than anything usually, and he likes to retweet things that make him laugh or people that say nice things about him, which is fine. But there's a lot of uh, talk out there that is insinuations or straight-out accusations that maybe Lamar is not giving uh, everything he has for this week and this year's Ravens. It's a very simple thing to break down if you want to. Lamar doesn't have a long-term contract at all. This is he's he's got nothing moving forward. He is owed, and it's in the long-term contract world, somewhere in the vein of I don't know Deshaun Watson got, and somewhere in the world of a quarter billion dollars. So there's the insinuation again that Lamar's not right, and his knees bothering him. I'm sure he could get out there and give it a go and give the Ravens the best chance to win. But in, in doing that, uh, he might risk uh, making his injury worse or even terribly worse, and he might cost himself a lot of money in the long run. So he's just saying, no, I'm going to play it safe. Uh, I do not think that. I do not think that because Lamar, if he was worried about his long-term health, would not have played this season without a contract. He would have said, yeah, you, I'm not taking the field this year. Until we reach the long-term deal that I want and that I deserve, I'm not going out there, if he was that kind of guy. Not only did Lamar go out there, and give it his all and be Lamar and run around. Lamar also said, once the season starts, don't even approach me about a contract. I'm not talking about it. So he was the exact opposite of someone who won't play unless he has guaranteed money. He didn't even want to hear about it. This was on record. This was him saying, I have a deadline. Once the season starts, it's football. I'm not talking about a contract, which at the time I had a problem with because I was saying, come on, Lamar, you start the season 3-0, you're playing good football. And on September 20th, they come to you and say, Lamar, we'd like to offer you $230 million over the next four years. Do you want to talk about it? Are you really going to say, nope, guys, I'm focused on Cleveland? No, I mean, that sounds crazy. But the, my plea to Lamar would be right now, just come out and say something. I respect the way you handle your, your business in the media, and you are a team guy who does it behind closed doors, and that is great. And I think there's a time and a place for that, and that time and that place are almost always. Right now, I would love either a brief press conference or even just a tweet where you just say, I am, have always been, and always will be about winning as a team. 
I have always given everything I can to my team. I always will. I don't have it right now in me. My health is not where it needs to be. Not only will I not be an asset, I might be a liability to the team out there. I cannot be myself. I'm not sitting out because I don't want to help my team. I'm sitting out because I think I would hurt my team. Thank you so much for all the support. I cannot win to, wait to win Super Bowls in the future with the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar, that's all you need to say. But in this silence, in this world of retweeting things and leaving people to guess, I think he's just, it brings about a lot of doubt, criticism, skepticism, just all the things that I think that he genuinely doesn't deserve. Address the elephant in the room. It's massive. You have a lot of money at risk here. Generation changing money, your grandkids, grandkids, grandkids won't work because of what you're doing right now and what you may be putting at risk right now. But if it has nothing to do with it, then just come out and say that. And if people don't believe you, screw them. But as much as I respect the athletes who stay off social media and who are locked into the game, this is a time when I think, certainly the Ravens fans and certainly the media, but maybe even his own team and maybe his own employers and maybe the people around him would be empowered and encouraged by him coming out and making it that clear. I'd like to hear from Lamar. I don't know if he wants to talk about any, but I think it would help him a lot and no one can do it for him. He has to do it himself. So it looks like he's not going to play this weekend. Um, they're going to lose. I, I, I genuinely think that. But Cincinnati is great. And I, I think the only way Baltimore, this Baltimore team right now has a chance of beating them is just great quarterback play. And as much as I love Snoop, like, I, I can't I can't see them winning this game. I think they would need a great Lamar game. So they're gonna lose, and if he's not gonna say anything and Harbaugh continues not to say anything, it's 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 gonna be just some of the same. Where was he? You weren't there, he didn't go out there. That's not coming from me. I think this guy has so much credibility in the bank in terms of sacrificing himself for the team and for the city and all that. I I, I don't throw any of that at him. I would just like to hear from him. Then what else we got? It's a bummer that he's not going to be in that matchup. Also worth pointing out that Snoop also did not throw a pass in practice today. He's still dealing with that oh, tendonitis in his right shoulder. But let's move on. Locker clean out earlier this week for all the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Broncos offensive guard Quinn Miners had a few thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs. Take a listen. Um, I said it before, I'm, I'm sick of losing to the Chiefs. That is like... My number one goal that I'm like have like looking at every day is I really want to beat them. Um, I'm gonna say it because it's it's one on my on my chest. The fact that they did that little ring around a rosy play against the Raiders like genuinely like like pissed me off, and I'm I'm just excited for that for that day and for that moment. And that's one of the things that I'm preparing for going into next year. It's awesome. Um, I uh, I know Quinn Miners a little bit. He used to be a regular recurring guest coming into the league when he was coming out of college. And the internet fell in love with him because he was doing these videos of himself working out in the woods like Drago. And he's a massive personality. He is one of these guys who has snakes, like he collects reptiles and stuff. He likes to show his big belly. He is like the kind of lineman that you want. And he's spot on. That's I, I, Not only do I want that lineman on my team, I want him saying that. One, I'm so sick of losing to the Chiefs. I want to beat them so badly. Two, I hated what they did. I thought it was so lame, so disrespectful, so stupid, and so unnecessary. I mean, I don't think that watching that play, it cracked me up, but I don't play for the Broncos. If I played for the Broncos, it'd be great. I would love to say that. You don't hear people talk like that anymore. 
certainly not athletes, and not on Twitter they, where he deleted it and then somebody captured it and everyone oohs and ahs and says he's throwing shade. Standing there at his locker like it was 1991. And it was just a different era and he was talking about how he hates the other team and he thought they pulled some BS on the field. It's great. I wish he could play them this weekend. I mean, he's not gonna, he's not gonna play them for 10 months or something like that. But a uh, different deal and someone needs to say it on Denver because the quarterback's not coming out and talking like that. We know that. We don't know who the hell the head coach is. They got some good players and the guys who have maybe sometimes here and there will speak up. But you need someone to say enough is enough. We've been routinely slapped around and embarrassed every single year by the Chiefs. Quinn Miners is a young player. He wants to be a Bronco for a long time. He's not going to say, I don't want to spend the next 10 years of my life losing to Mahomes. I'm so, I, this is not what I came to the NFL for. I'm not here for this. I'm not okay with this. And I'm, I don't say, well, maybe we can win a wild card and we're going to lose to the Chiefs every year because they got Mahomes and Kelsey. Screw that. I like that he says that. Um, I'm interested to hear if more of the Raiders, when they, once they come back down to earth in the offseason, look back on that play and say that it was too much. I mean, listen, I don't still understand the reason they spun around in the huddle. The play itself was really cool. It was this lateral throwback thing that worked beautifully. Spinning around in the huddle, it was just like they were bored. I think Mina Kimes said it was like they were playing with their food. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. But listen, Quinn Miners, I have history with him. I love him. He's the exact kind of guy you want blocking for him. It's a great soundbite. Yeah, I do like hearing that soundbite coming out of Denver, but they're still the Chiefs, and I want to throw up this tweet in the three box if we had it. Right. Uh, diehard, diehard Chiefs fan, and I think someone you're close with, Eric Stone Street, retweeted that video with, it's important to set goals, bro. Good for you. Good. I, I, love, I love Stone Street, too. Got to meet him. Awesome guy. Stone Street is the person that suggested to me that I dress up like Howie Long for Halloween. <laughs> He's, that's where the idea came from. And I did it, as we know, and I cut my hair, and it's taken me three months to grow it back. Uh, but listen, Stone Street's on Easy Street. He's the Chiefs fan. This is, they, this is why I don't understand why there's many Chiefs fans online that are so belligerent and in some ways like so, so miserable. Guys, you got the greatest thing ever. You have a great team. You have an amazing quarterback. You're going to be good for the next 15 years. You've been good for the last five years. Just embrace everyone who loves you instead of seeking out people who are not sure if they do. It's for a, for a team that has it so good, very sensitive fan base, very sensitive. But Stone Street was a perfect response, and they're just pulling the pants down on every Bronco they can <laughs> while they can do it. What else do we have, Flynn? Let's wrap it up. What do we got? Let's Finally, let's, let's step away from football. Screen Rant did their yearly poll of readers and asked them to rank their favorite television shows of all time. Breaking Bad is number one, followed by Better Call Saul at number two. We'll throw the whole list up in a second. A bit surprising is that The Sopranos, which is usually at the top or near the top of all of these lists, all the way down at number 10. We'll throw the list up. Kyle, what do you make of it? Better Call Saul is not the second best show of all time. It's, it's a good show. It's heavily flawed. Some of the early seasons are very slow and it's basically a legal procedural. And it picks up at the end, but it's not, come on, it's not the second best show of all time. Stop it with that. Uh, I think you're right, Flynn, in that your attention goes to The Sopranos. And this is becoming a generational question. Uh, I think... I still think it's the greatest show ever. I think I think it is better than Breaking Bad in so many ways. 
and also just it didn't have the advantage of Breaking Bad of being years later and seeing what the audience wants and kind of crafting it around this bad guy who you still root for. I mean, Sopranos at the table for all of that, for Don Draper, for Walter White, for anybody, Tyrion Lannister. I just, Tony Soprano was the guy. This complete um, piece of crap, philandering, racist, murdering, terrible human being that you absolutely loved. <laughs> and it was, it was an impossible thing that James Gandolfini and that show pulled off. The question though I think is interesting is, will the TikTokers, will the Gen Zers have any interest in The Sopranos? And I have my doubts. Now I watch Sopranos clips on YouTube all the time. I mean like a few times a week I'll just watch an old clip from Sopranos on YouTube because YouTube is so populated with Sopranos clips, they do a great job and nobody rips them down. So you can see any scene ever if you just type it in. And I'm immediately riveted and I love the characters and I love the violence and I love the food and the clothes and all that. It, it makes me think though of our guy Josh Allen. When we did the film festival this year, some of the times the films that he did not love, I think it really came down to pacing a lot. Like infamously, Josh, who was 26, I think, didn't like The Princess Bride. Like he said he fell asleep during it. Now The Princess Bride to me is an unbelievably watchable, entertaining movie that I love and most likely you watch and do too. Josh is just like, I, I fell asleep, man. It was just slow, slow. And I, I hear this a lot from young people that some of the stuff that, that we liked and certainly that our parents liked, it's a question of pacing. And you gotta give me that action scene right off the top and then the violence and then the sex and then more violence and then something really funny with the physical humor. It's, I think there's a lot of gratification that goes into it. And if you see some of these shows now that are super popular, like yeah, Stranger Things is just relentless. There's not a lot of slow parts in Stranger Things and they know that. And every episode starts out really fast and ends fast. Some of the Sopranos episodes are slow, man. And they'll go in a couple state late in the season, late in the run, like the semi-ultimate season. It, uh, they'll have like two or three episodes where you're like, oh my God, what is going on? We're just driving around and making plans like somebody get whacked. I think that would be hard. I really do. So you, you like to think things are timeless. It is for me, but you know, my parents were watching MASH every week. I came through two minutes of MASH. It's a miserable show. I don't like it at all. So I think it's the best show I've ever seen, but I don't think that the, the Gen Z or TikTokers will. Is, is, that, is that spot on, Flynn? What do you think? You're younger than me. You, so what do you think of the people who are younger than you? I think it's pretty spot on. Also, my favorite television show of all time. I don't know if there's a bias there because I grew up in the same area where it's based. Yeah. I, I knew people like that growing up, which is funny. You don't really see people like that anymore, probably because of The Sopranos. But what do you think makes this show different than The Breaking Bads, which you've mentioned the first two seasons are slow and have the breakfast scenes, or The Wire, which also has slow mo mo excuse me, slow moments, but that the TikTokers still tend to relate to. What do you think makes The Sopranos different, where it's not maybe being seen as highly as the other two? Because if The Sopranos came on now, you would say, oh, this is another great show with great characters and great actors, and there's just so many of them, and we love them. When The Sopranos came on at the time, you're like, what are they doing? This is not television. What the hell is this? You can't have the dad take his daughter on a college trip and then pull over and strangle somebody in the construction site. This is so weird. So now it's just, there's, there's 50 Sopranos. Not as good, but we just see that a lot. And you would turn on and say, yeah, I like it. We'll catch up with it. At the time, it was like, 
it was like rock and roll for the first time. It was like you were hearing someone play an electric guitar and you couldn't believe what this music was. Like when Marty McFly is at the dance, the Enchantment Under the Sea, and he's like, you guys aren't ready for this yet, but your parents are gonna love it. Like people were just staring at the TV like, what is this show? Whereas now, yeah, it's another cool show and they do some violence and some sex and there's a character base. And it was just, I don't know, it just blew, blew our minds at the time. And if you put it on now for a young person, they'd be like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, bada bing, bada boom. It, it, I just don't think it would land. Yeah, it was history making. TV was never like that before. You say you watch scenes all the time. Favorite soprano scene of all time? Damn, it's so many. Um, it has to, it has to be the Christopher intervention. <laughs> it's Christopher is struggling with drugs. He just sat on their dog and killed it because he passed out on top of it and he walks out and there's just everybody and there's Syl and Paulie and Tony and Carmela and, and, and Triana and they try to sit him down and have them talk through their problems and it just goes so badly and uh, Paulie's so funny in it, Silvio's so funny and Tony gets so mad. It's If you're watching this and you don't know Christopher's intervention scene, it's only like three minutes, it's short, but every time I watch it I laugh, you know Flynn. Yeah, that, that, that's where I was going to go to, either that or something from really? Barron's. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's this it's the Silvio giving his prepared speech that he has written down, talking about walking in and seeing him with it, throwing up in the toilet and his hair is in the toilet. And he just says, it's disgusting. I said what I said. So good. Your hair was in the water. It was disgusting. I said my piece, Chrissy. And then when, when, when Paulie starts to attack him, the moderator guy, uh, Elias Cotias, I think is his name, He's like, no, 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 this wasn't going to be judgmental. And Paul's like, bleep that. Let him take his medicine. And then Christopher starts to go back at him and is, watch it, Chrissy. I mean, it's just, this might sound absurd to you if you don't know The Sopranos. Watch Christopher's intervention on YouTube. And it's, the way he talks to his mother makes me laugh out loud. And the way that he gets, it's just so good. I wanna, I'm want i going to watch it after the show. I'm going to watch it again. We got to get that scene on TikTok. Maybe we should get that scene on TikTok. Somebody do it. Uh, Flynn, you should be on TikTok doing cool dances. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow for the last show of the week. I'm going to throw a dart quickly because this episode's getting long in the tooth. Here we go. Ready? I throw a dart. If I hit a bullseye, maybe this will be the day. There will be no discussion. Oh, that was close. I'm getting so close, guys. That's the closest I've come. But that is, in fact, a 20. What's the 20 topic? And we'll get out of here. Topic number 20 is... Favorite wrestling tag team? Um, I liked the Rockers. If you don't know the Rockers, they were just as corny and ridiculous as the name might suggest, but you probably know Shawn Michaels if you know wrestling at all. And Shawn Michaels was in a tag team with Marty Jannetty. And they just had the coolest outfits. And when I was 12, watching them, or 10 maybe, they would do a lot of really high stakes moves off the top ropes that are really common now, but at the time it was unbelievably athletic and acrobatic and they would lose a lot. They weren't dominant, but they would put on this amazing acrobatic show with these cool outfits and these feathered mullets and then they would lose the demolition or something, but I just loved watching them. That's it. I love that you guys watch this. I'm out from the basement. One more show tomorrow. We may do playoff predictions. We may go back in the wine bottle. Until then, love you. Do me a favor, go right out that door, exit through the garage and close it on your way out. See ya.